We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri. With you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast, where don't worry, you can boo as much as you want uh, over the course of this episode, and we will not say anything to you. Boo to your heart's content. Jeremy Cohen, even you can boo me on this episode if you'd like. Would you like boo, to boo? Boo. Boo. <laughs> that was a half-hearted boo. Do you I I, I think we've talked about maybe if we have i don't remember it are you someone that boos boos players at games not really uh it's not like i feel like i'm above it or anything if, if they're dessert like i would boo the hell out of joe judge i i would have actually gone oh, okay. to pay money to boo joe judge but uh no in general i try not to boo because i do remember that they are people too at the end of the day but i also can't begrudge other people and say like how dare you boo they're paying customers if they feel the need to do it and that that is their opinion and i respect that so i but i fall on the side where it's like okay yeah this this person sucks but i'll probably just you know be a little internal about it okay i i don't i don't i don't boo i've never booed it's it's i don't know i don't understand the point of it um that said <laughs> as as we'll get into i guess in, in a minute um i i fall on I do fall on one side of this argument and uh, it ain't, it ain't on Julius Randall's side, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there soon. So uh, we start as we always do with the week that was, and I, I was curious how, so Andrew Claudio, shout out to Andrew, who's, who's in the background here. Um, he, he always sets up our, our run through. And I was curious how he was going to do it because I was thinking about, this week that was I'm like, you know, two and one. And I feel like we've had this conversation about two or three times this, this year where it's like, man, this should feel better than it does. But no, it doesn't. It actually feels much worse. <laughs> it feels, it's like and, and here we are. We're sitting with a, a team that is a bad team. They're under 500. They're two games under 500. And they um, just won two games and they lost a game and the game that they lost, they they were missing several players and like it was a, a playing a desperate team and the whole thing. And um, yet we, we sit here and it's like, okay, are we going to be enthusiastic over the course of this podcast? I mean, I, I don't know. Are you, 
You feeling very enthusiastic about this team right now, Mr. Mr. Cohen? All I'll say is I'm very tired of us seeing two and a weeks followed by a loss and then us having to record because this, yeah. this, this seems to be a pattern. It it's does. frustrating. It but does. No, it's it's very tough to feel positive despite the fact that, again, it's like they won two out of three games. They're heading in a positive direction. And it's just every game feels so volatile. It's like cryptocurrency. It's like it's up and then it's down. You're, you're dead. And then it's up again. And it's great. And we, there's just no equilibrium here. But that's the thing. It's we've talked about this easy slate of games and the Knicks did their part, right? They, they went two and one. Yeah. Um, if they had gone anything under that, we would be having a very different conversation. I think we can have this a little bit more. We could talk about it being better than we uh, would have thought, maybe. Well, not necessarily me. I, I thought they would win at least one game. But in the sense of it, it, it's trending in the right direction in the result, but the process then doesn't feel great, which goes back to the conversation we had last week in a lot of ways where they went two and two. But those two wins seemed like real. You, know, you had to really pull for them. And then the two losses were just ugly. This, of course, Julius has been playing, but. It, it just doesn't feel good. You're at a spot where the Knicks, sure, you could look at last year's record and be like, well, they're really not far off from it. But you could also look at the competition and you could look at the fact that even though Julius Randle's stats are similar in a lot of ways, the shooting is not there. And in a make or miss league, if you're not going to hit shots, then you're not going to hit shots. You're not going to win. It, Yeah, it's well, well phrased. And um there's a lot of things hovering over the season. And I think the fact that both, I mean, we, we go back and forth about so many different things on this podcast and like get into the, the we get, I'd, I'd like to think we get into the nitty gritty of, of this team. And yet at the end of the day, this team was supposed to be led by two guys. And if you want to extend it past that four guys, the Randall and RJ being the first two guys. And then the next two being the two big offseason additions, um, Fournier and Kemba. And it's really hard to craft with all due respect to Kemba Walker's um, player of the week campaign. And with all due respect to RJ Barrett's um, game winning shot. And he, he did have a nice game um, against Indiana, which we'll talk about. It's really hard to feel positive about any of those four players individually through 40 games of the season. And it's really hard to feel um even harder actually to feel better to feel good about those four players collectively, or even like any two of those players or three players. Like there is no combination. It's like, well, at least when player X and player Y, just speaking of those four play together, like we know good things are going to happen. Like maybe that's true of Fournier and Walker. We don't really know. I mean, you know, the week started with RJ and, and Randall having their, their best collective game together as Knicks against Indiana. So that was cool. Um, you know, but then they followed it up with what they followed it up with, and it leads it leaves a bit of a a sour taste, does it not? It does, and I think considering the Indiana game, where again they're missing a lot of their players, but then you have Sykes who earned himself a new contract, which is great for him. He was playing he deserves it a hundred percent. And then the fact of was it a remarkable win that the Knicks had against the Celtics? hundred percent. They came back from 26, 25 down and we got to live that and enjoy the reactions. And it was a lot of fun, but then you look at the process of the game and I feel like it says a lot more about the Celtics 
and their ability to consistently implode in the second half of games, especially the fourth quarter, than it does so much about the Knicks being able to be this comeback dominant team. So I view that win in a vacuum on its own as a great win. But then when you kind of tinker with it and what it all represents, it's a little concerning. And then the next game, you know, you know, Boston is going to be desperate. You know, the fact that they want to win at home after losing on a buzzer beater to the same team. What happens? You post 75 points. And yes, was Evan Fournier the guy who is responsible for killing the Celtics, even when the Knicks have lost uh, one of those games? He wasn't there. Really shouldn't matter. Uh, You should score more than 75 points. And they certainly didn't. <laughs> yes, an NBA team should score more than 75 points. Yes, yes. Uh, that is especially that's in a this correct era. statement. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, yeah. I thought that the nice thing about Julius was in the first half, or really the first quarter, honestly, he looked so aggressive, especially in transition, like pushing the pace, facilitating. I thought that that was the Julius that we want to see. And then mm-hmm. it slows down and it just, it gums up everything. And it's just tough to watch that type of basketball. As we've said before, it hasn't been enjoyable basketball in general. And so, yeah, the fact that we are halfway through the season pretty much, um, and we don't really know what this team is other than it's just not consistent and not a great team, not a good team. Uh, it's an average team. That's not playing like average. It's kind of how it feels to me at least. Yeah. And and I think that's, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people have hit on that here. And I think that's not, I mean, this is a Knicks podcast, so I don't want to go too outside the box here, but I feel like there are a lot of NBA cities where that sentiment is taking hold, where there's a lot of fan bases out there who are like, if only there was just some consistency of play, we would be happier when the reality is like, again, go talk to people in Boston, go talk to people in, in Minnesota, go talk to people in Atlanta, go talk to people who are, you know, in Indiana, um, go talk to people who are, you know, in, in Washington, right? Like these teams are all, some are a game or two above 500, some are a game or two below 500. Like I'm, I'm missing obviously Western teams, Denver, the Lakers, there's I'm sure some other obvious ones I'm I'm forgetting, but it's like, I feel like a lot of these teams have the same frustrations. And I wonder how much of that has to do with just, this is a weird season. And it's not that the Knicks are that unique. It's that it's just, this is the NBA this year. It's that. And also I think naturally we kind of view life as like we're the protagonist of mm-hmm. the story. So this is our yes. team and we follow our team and our team is disappointing. Well, yeah. fans of the other teams we've listed and more could say we're in the same boat and view their teams as incredibly disappointing. I like the mood for the Celtics fans. I was looking through mentions of just oh my God. team accounts and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and people who follow uh, and closely the team. And it's just like, they feel dead. And I can't say I blame them because they have a window to contend and they're not getting the job done. Whereas the Knicks window like is even a window. It feels like it's a carved out hole where the window should be and you have to put glass in there. But once you do, there's a window, it then closes after that. So it's just, and that's the thing with seeing teams, right? Like the discourse, as we approach the trade deadline of, I want this player, I want that player. It's always the grass is green. The grass is always greener. That's the mentality. It's you don't follow these players necessarily as closely as you do your own team and your own team is stinking up the joint. And yet you look at these guys and it's like, well, they seem great in comparison. Well, maybe if you follow them, they're not that great. Uh, Maybe they're just okay. But because of the fact that 
they seem better and you don't watch them on a daily basis or a nightly basis or a game basis, whatever you want to call it, they automatically seem like these coveted options and they just may not be. So it's, it's just something to keep in mind, especially with the parity, because right now you could look at the league and 24 teams or so are in the playoff chase because of the plan. I, that's I, would, I would extend that to, you know, you're, you're, you're putting New Orleans on the outside. I am for now. But okay. they've been playing. I was going to say, they've been pretty they've feisty. Been playing, yeah. Which yeah, they've been feisty. It's not great for my uh, under 39 and a half. It's getting, <laughs> I'm does. sweating out a little bit more than I thought I was going to. I think, you're, I think you're safe I think there. I'll prevail. But yeah, yeah, I think you'll prevail. Yeah. Um, no, no. I Look, you, you, you nailed it. Um, you know, and just to kind of really put a put a capper on on this week. I I mean, look, was it a good week? Was it a bad week? I, I will say this. Look, they went under they went two and one. They held a couple uh, teams under 100 points. By the way, you want to know what the Knicks and this is you want to talk about um, a disingenuous stat. I'm, I'm saying up front, this is a disingenuous stat. Um, Knicks net rating over the last 10 games uh, ranking league wise league league wide net ranking over the last 10 games. For, not, not net rating for oh. uh, sorry. Uh, defensive ratings, specifically defensive rating. Well, considering how they held what the Pistons 85 and the Wolves to 87 or something, 84 is low. I'm going to say that over the last 10 games, it's like eighth, uh, third. Wow. Yeah. 105.8 uh, trails only the uh, Dallas Mavericks, who have <laughs> don't, don't, don't look now. Yeah. <laughs> the Mavericks are playing well. And of course, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are, who are uh, I mean, have looked like the best team in basketball over the last uh, three, four weeks. Um, so, yeah, the Knicks are third. I, I, and again, it's a disingenuous stat because they've played a lot of teams in there that that are not, I don't know how else to say it, are not real teams. At the same time, you know, you go look at, uh, I mean, even in Brooklyn today, it's speak of the devil, the Spurs coming in here tomorrow night or tonight as you're listening to this are missing like more than half the rotation. They go put up 117 or 18 or whatever it is on, on um, Brooklyn. You know, you had the, uh, the pace. Well, again, I'm thinking about Brooklyn. you had the Pacers team that we held to whatever go put, maybe it's just Brooklyn sucks or can't defend anybody. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Could just be. The point is you do see results around the league where undermanned teams are putting up a lot of points. So I'm, I'm going to give them like the smallest sliver of the benefit of the doubt here that they, they have turned around the thing that, has frustrated the most fans early on, which is the defense was, was awful. They've, they, they've turned that around a little bit. Um, you can only play who's on your schedule. Exactly. And yeah. if we were sitting here talking about, oh, the Knicks are 10th, we'd say, okay, 10th is good, but think about it. Look how easy the schedule was. And they're like nine teams ahead of them, but instead it's only two. I think that's yeah. a testament to what they've done over the last 10 games. And yet we still don't feel overly confident, which is crappy. And and it's and it's funny because another positive they're they're in the tenth seed right right now mm-hmm. um, as things stand they have you know they had the buzzer beater and yet to me you know I I could forgive I, I don't want to call it a no show a no show job in Boston because I feel like they the offense got stagnant and I think Tibbs even said it after the game like quickly was great in the first half. He needs to be more aggressive in the second half. And I think you saw with Quickly's lack of aggression, that's why the offense got bogged down. And, you know, the fact that they didn't completely let go of the rope, they fought into the fourth quarter, even though they weren't hitting anything and Boston was all over them. Like, I could forgive that. Um, I could forgive some of the minutes issues, which we'll we'll get into in a bit. I'll, I'll save that stuff uh, for a moment from now. I... 
the Randall thing puts puts it over the puts it on the the wrong side of the median for me. And I say that as someone who doesn't really care that much about what he said. Um, but just, I don't know. It let, Last year's team was so likable. We loved that team, Jeremy. Andrew, can I bring in? Did you love last year's team, Andrew? One of my favorite single seasons rooting for this basketball team of my entire life. Yes. Or any sports team, I would imagine. Yes. You root for all the teams, right? Yeah. Yes. And as we've chronicled, not a lot of fun individual seasons no. I've had to root for. So obviously, Frank's up there. Shout out to the New York Jets who are on their way to a 4-13 and record as we speak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shout out to that. What, what are the Giants? What's the Giants' final record? Also 4-13. and 13. Okay. Okay, so uh, maybe not a lot of competition for best seasons of our of our life team lifetime of, or I mean, among them. I have I've seen two of my teams win championships. I'm Jeremy has arguably the best Super Bowl victory of all time in yes. Super Bowl forty two. So honestly, two that's, of them. That's fair. But the but, first but the, one, well, the best. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying the second one trumps the first one, but I mean, when still. you win so many, it's tough to put them in order. Right? Who can count, right? Well, you know, okay. Yeah. So you've had a little bit more success, Jeremy, than Andrew and and me. But I think you would agree. Also, one of the one of your favorite seasons, right? It was my favorite Knicks season by far. Okay, which I mean, I know the bar is low, but even still, all right. I'll put it this way: in terms of all the seasons I've watched of my four favorite sports teams, I'd say the Knicks are top three. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And and we 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 loved we loved that team. We loved that season. We loved everything about it to the point that like, you know, there were some people who were not willing to look past the performance get against Atlanta. I think for us, as much as that was a downer, it did not sully the 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 greater picture. And now to come to this season where we've had the questions about this team that we've had in terms of like effort and all the stuff that made us love them last year. Um, to have it come to this where, again, it's not the thing that he did on the court, which was he whatever, shouting at the crowd and putting the thumbs down and the whole thing. But to then double down and be like, no, I'm going to make it very clear afterwards what I meant. And then to take it one final step to put and, and look, people, I, I, I again, I, I feel bad almost bringing this issue up because I want to move on from it. And I'm sure everybody listening to this wants to move on from it. But to put out a thing where you, you you say all kinds of words about why you did what you did and you love New York and this and that and never actually apologize, like maybe it's just me, but it's like Julius Randle comes off in this whole thing to me looking like, I don't want to say kind of a dick, but kind of a dick and a guy who is just completely and totally lost in his own head. And for me, the Nick basketball fan who just wants his team to win it is disconcerting to me that the best player is a, is a player right now who I just have no confidence in the world that he's in the right headspace to be the best player on a basketball team that is trying to do something good um, this season. Um, exhibit A, his performance coming off of his rant. Like if he came out against Boston in Boston and had a great game and they lost, I'd be like, you know what? He got out whatever he needed to get out. God bless him. Let's move on our Murray way to come out. And then shit. The bed is like, I think that for me, all of that together, I'm sorry if that was a little long winded, but that, that all together is why, no, this is not a great week for me as an Nick fan. 
that's my two cents. I also just don't care for this topic because it it doesn't matter to me. But but doesn't seeing matter. as how we're talking about it, I think that looking at what Randall did to what he said, it's not that bad. And then you consider the fact that when Clyde was booed, he basically was like, "Yeah, I, I think that's that's worthy. I, I've I've been better, and I have not been myself. And they have the right to do that." You look at Jeter; he's booed. Jeter saying, "Yeah, I deserve to be booed. I mean, I just didn't. I don't look good. They have every right to do it." And you look at Randall, and he he goes the opposite direction. And I I just think that when we think of captains and leaders and we kind of imagine there's a level of of rising above it not Mm -hmm. sinking below and we all have moments of weakness right especially the idea of where if i were in that position i had all these people screaming at me i probably would say the same thing too i'm right there with you he's human no this this reminded us he's human that's all he is exactly but i do think that is a false equivalency to be like well how do you feel if someone did that at your job my job, I don't have 18,600 people pay to attend to watch me, uh, you know, write emails and call people. That's not what happens. You can't make those comparisons. They're completely no. different. If I'm making $21 million and people are booing me, it's a very different situation. Um, and I think that's just kind of what it goes to where it hammers home this point of he's not a number one star, but he's also not a number one star kind of as the face of the team. Yeah. But right now he is the face of the team because yeah. if RJ can't rise above it and be better than him, it's still going to be Julius Randle. And until RJ Barrett has a better season than what we saw Julius Randle have before he, you know, until he takes the mantle from him, it's going to be on Julius's shoulders. And that's the, the thing. If Julius, if he, if he says, I want to win in New York, he's got to be prepared to lose in New York. Unfortunately, we want to see him win, but you can't, take all the blame. I'm sorry. You can't take the credit and say that's on me. And then when things go bad, displace it in some way or not take it internally. A good leader says, I, you know, we did this well in times of success and in times of failure, they take it on themselves and say, I need to do a better job of this. And I, again, if I had people, hundreds, if not thousands of people celebrating that I got COVID, I would probably want to boo you too. But yeah, no, the, I, and that, I, Yes, that part of it was if that's the genesis of it, I want to be very clear. And I've said this already. I'll say it one more time. If that's the genesis of it, I completely understand. I don't think that's the gen- I, personally. I, I This is a complete assumption, complete assumption. I don't think that's the whole genesis of why he did what he did. But see, it came to a head shortly after that. Like, think about how many fans have been uh, booing him or, or at least showing their dispro- disapproval of him leading up to this point. Right. Yeah. And he seems completely unfazed. And again, he was saying, I don't really care about social media, which again, I understand he's asked the question, but chances are, if you say that part of you does care about yeah. social media, we're human. We want to be applauded and um, we want approval and we want to know we're doing something well. And the, for the case with him, it's like, again, people were tweeting out about the facts that they were happy he got COVID and he came back for Indiana and the game went really well. Yeah. And then the next game it didn't. And I think that's where it was a breaking point where it was suddenly, you know, like, all right, screw this, you know, all those good feelings that I gave you last year, the, what I did yesterday or two gate, two days ago against the Pacers, like all of that means nothing to you. And honestly, to a degree, yes and no, uh, no, it does mean something because we just talked about the fact that 
last season holds a very near and dear place in our hearts. But also, yes, because this is New York and you're just as good as yesterday's newspaper. And it's it's not disrespect. It's just you, you have to keep striving. And if you're not striving beforehand, then you got to work on it. People are booing. That's I don't want to call it constructive criticism, but it's criticism. It's it's feedback. And it's if you not, can't take the feedback, that's a problem. It, it's not booing. And maybe I'm giving our fan base too much credit here. It's not booing missed shots. It's not booing like, you know, when the other team just like is taking a big lead because they're making miraculous bucket after miraculous bucket. The booing is, is the genesis of the booing is, is, is a lack of, of X of not execution as much as a lack of like caring as much as they did last season, or that is the appearance. That is what the appearance is. Is that, do they actually not care as much? I, I have no idea. None of us have any idea, but it sure as shit seems like a lot of the games they go out there and there just isn't the amount of effort that there was. Um, it's effort. But one more thing, if Julius were a homegrown player, we probably wouldn't be responding to him in this way. No, well, but the fact that he's a hired yeah. gun, the emotional appeal isn't like that. Like I, they're very different roles, right? Because Emmanuel quickly is not the all NBA reigning MIP player. No, but in the beginning of the season, Emmanuel quickly, I mean, he couldn't hit anything. Could have fallen out of boat and hit water. He wasn't booed, but there was still this kind of discourse of like, he sucks, which shouldn't have been the case because he had struggled the year before. And we know he's a good player. <laughs> But it's not like it got to the point of a boo. And with him, at least he shows that effort. And it goes back to, to what I was saying last week. We as fans, we want to be entertained. We want to see effort. If we put the effort in watching it, we hope we get a good product, at least where we know you're trying. Yep. And that's the problem. It's when it's the forcing of it. And, and the Pacers game, that's why it was also like it, it, the team around him just wasn't hitting shots, but he played spectacularly. And then it, it kind of falls on the, the shoulders. Nothing has clicked, it feels like, or maybe one game this whole year where everything's clicking into nah. place. And last year, it just felt like everyone was clicking in on the same page for a three to four week stretch. Even and, when they lost games, it felt like the process was good. And even before that, even when they were losing early, there was a sense that there was the team, they fought, um, they battled. And whereas, you know, but, but again, that's the difference is it's like, he he really liked being the best player on a good team, but you can't have it. You have to, you have to, you have to do both. You can't pick and choose when you're going to be a leader, um, which uh, leads us to another, another leader of this team, Tom Thibodeau. So uh, Andrew wanted us to have a, a quick chat about this. Um, so I was asked after the game on uh, what Saturday after the Boston game in Boston, what my grade for, Tibbs would be for this season. And I think I said I gave him either a C or a C plus. Andrew, does that check out? You gave him a C or a C plus. Yes. A C and or a C plus. I got to be honest in the moment. I was like, oh no, he's going to give him like a, a minus and their comments are going to be no. worse than they ha have ever been. It's funny, Jeremy, you said that you don't get booed at your job by 18,000 people. Cause it seems like that's what we deal with after every super, after every post game, the least <clears throat> this season, at least. Wouldn't know the team's undefeated when I do it. That's the thing. We need to let Jeremy do all the post games <laughs> until they lose, and it'll just be applause. Um. So yeah, and and look, I, I and my my justification for that was like, there's a handful or maybe a little bit more than that of coaches doing a really spectacular job uh, this year. There's been a couple of coaches that you could probably say are going out of their way and doing a a poor job. 
Uh, although I guess Luke Walton has already been fired. Uh, I don't really know who else is like doing like, I, I think most coaches are fine, you know, and it's, can you rise above and be better than fine? And those are the five to 10 names that find themselves in the coach of the year conversation at the end of every season. Tibbs has not done that. He has not risen above um, because for as much as we can blame Julius Randall and Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker and um, RJ Barrett for poor performance this season, he's coaching all of them. Um, and it is up to him to figure it out or try to figure out how to make the pieces mesh. They haven't meshed. Um, there hasn't been a consistency of effort. Um, the, the, the minute stuff is the stuff that I, me personally, I don't, get on him about but in terms of the performance like if you're going to be praised for how your team plays and win coach of the year because of how your team exceeds expectations you should also be knocked for the lack of that so jeremy cohen what is what is your grade for tom Thibodeau this year so i do have a grade in mind but i'm first going to pose the question what or who has tom Thibodeau optimized this year who really looks better than they did last season i have an answer for that you have an answer for that? Well, finish your question. Then, well, no, I mean, yeah. and there, there are certainly new faces as well, right? But it just, it does not feel like anyone has taken a step forward in the sense that he has then rewarded them for it as well, right? Like Julius has fallen down to earth. And I understand that when you are an all NBA player and an all star, you get the benefit of the doubt. And when you lean heavily on your veterans, you're going to play them. But I also see Obi Toppin playing under the equivalent of a quarter for a couple games in a row. And the inability to at least try more so of four and five with Obi and Randall. Um, the fact that quickly it took him so long to at least put him into the starting rotation uh, that it wasn't working with Kemba and the whole thing of how that was handled. It just didn't look good at all. Uh, the fact that Evan Fournier struggles quite a bit. Yep. And even with all of that being said, it's like there's no real reining it in outside of, well, we're not going to play down the stretch because we, can't trust you. Um, RJ just not playing well. Sure. I mean, as you said, it's, it's the fact that he like Tibbs isn't playing. These guys are playing for him, but it just seems to me that no one is, is meshing as we, I mean, as you said earlier, and how can you reward a coach where no one is really meshing and you can't find the right contributions outside of Derek Rose, who is just Derek Rose. I'm not looking to reward him. Um, <laughs> not, not you specifically, of course, but like, how can one reward him in that? Yeah. I, I, I mean, look, I think, look, if you want to find positive arguments for Tibbs, I think there are, they are there to be found the, uh, ostensibly the four most important players on the team, excuse me, the five most important players on the team coming into the season were Randall Fournier, Walker, RJ and Derek Rose. I, I, to me, the way that, RJ and Randall in particular have played. I have trouble putting that on, on Tibbs Fournier and certainly Walker because of the benching, especially, I think there's an, I think there's more of an argument there. Although again, I'm not sure what he should have done. Although then again, you, you listen to Fournier's comments after the Boston win in which he says, well, we don't know what, what we're, what our team, what our offense is going to look like on any given night, because it depends on like, who's going to get hot. Like this team does not have a pecking order. I think it's pretty clear or the pecking order that exists, which is like Julius is number one. Like it's, that's not really the case either because this whole season has been about him sharing 
more. And and then the fifth guy, Rose, is has been injured now for almost a third of the season. Um, but we talked about that as a strength at the beginning of the year. And now yeah, it, it hasn't like been. It's, it's a, a weakness. Failure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's and that is whether it's 50 50 on the players and the coach, 60 40, 40 60 the other way. It's shared responsibility. To just answer your question briefly before, I think Emmanuel quickly has gotten better. I think he has optimized Emmanuel quickly. And I think actually, and and this is where people are just going to fucking kill me, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't care. There is an argument for playing guys in roles that they can be successful in. And it has changed now that Derek Rose has gone out with an injury and that they've had to move some more players into the starting lineup. But Obi Toppin looked like the greatest thing in slice, since sliced bread for 30 games or whatever it was. Um, and he's had some other moments since then, but there is a clear drop off when he is not playing with Derek Rose. And to a certain extent, when he's not playing with Emmanuel quickly, um, that to me, like the fact that everybody wanted Obi Toppin to be in the starting lineup and play more minutes, that's a sign that his coach is using him properly. And then you now see him in some other games where he's being shut down by other teams. And when he was in, you know, with more, more was relied upon for him. The, the production wasn't quite there or wasn't as impressive. Um, to me, that's a sign that Tibbs was actually using him the right way as well. And that more is, you know, less is maybe more, more is whatever it is, but yeah, less, uh, is, yeah, less the, is more. The whole backup quarterback analogy that he had. Exactly. I, again, I thought I'm fine with Obi backing Randall up. I just want to see him get more minutes, period. Get close to that, you know, at but, least 16, 18 minutes a game but that around gets, that threshold. But, but yeah, that sure, gets back it's, it's to nice. a phil- that gets back to the philosophical and shout out to Fred Katz who said it on this pod last week. It is Tibbs basketball religion to have a rim protector in there. Agree with him, disagree with him. That is at least a it is a it is a grounded philosophy, right? It is a grounded philosophy with 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 reasons to to have that philosophy. So really it comes down to are you taking away Julius Randle's minutes to play Obi Toppin and that gets back to that gets back to the, the the elephant in the room of this whole season, which is that do you punish Julius Randle for being a shitty basketball player, which he has been for a lot of this year? Or do you lean even further into this to try to get him to be better, which has not worked thus far, which again, fair criticism of Tibbs, but at least I understand where he's coming from. That's sure. But I think it also depends on the night. Some nights you feel like Randall can get it going. Other nights you feel like maybe Obi should get more time. And I just feel like that hasn't happened quite a bit. It's most, it's almost every time been, I'm going to roll with the known quantity or, uh, or the known you know, <laughs> player, even though he's not, but that's the thing you, you give him the benefit of the doubt because he has earned it and yes. you look at Obi and he's trying to earn it, but then it feels like, you know, chicken and the egg. How do you earn it? it but you, at the end of the day, you have to create a spot where you can force your way into it. But Obi is also blocked because if Randall's I, going to consistently be better, how is he supposed to get in there when he can't even be with Randall playing significant minutes? Can I just throw one thing out there real quick? The, sure. I think the the fairest criticism of Tibbs is his offensive philosophy, which is matchup advantage, create advantages through matchups, where you are putting your best players in positions to create matchup advantages and have them make plays off of that and have your other players make plays off of the plays that your best players make. Right. Mm -hmm. That is not 
the most sophisticated offensive philosophy. It is Tibbs philosophy that I think if you look throughout his time coaching, it has had more success than not. This is a team that does not have the most offensive talent. Last season, he turned a guy who was, you would have considered, I don't know, the 60 or 70th best offensive player in the NBA. And he made him into a, whatever he was, Julius Randle. Um, this season, it's turned back to, into a pumpkin again. So like, if you want to criticize him for not adjusting more on the fly, as it were, I guess that's fair. But like, I, I that, that, that to me is the fair criticism. What, what prompted me to say that, and then again, I'll turn it back to you, is Obi does not create advantages. He's not that type of player. If Obi went out there and in his five or six or seven minute stint, he drew two or three doubles and made some passes or made some buckets on one on ones. Like, but that's not his his game. So essentially, when people are critiquing the decision to play Obi less and play Randall more, they're to me that says you need to change your entire offensive philosophy in terms of how you run a team. Which you know what? Maybe that's a fair critique. I I I, I don't know. I don't know. But the thing is, Obi does create advantages in transition where he's able to use his explosiveness to create offense that way. And additionally, he's one of the few guys who actually cuts on this team, especially of the big men. Um, And his constant movement is is at least drawing the attention away from the ball handler. And that's the thing. It's teams want to get Randall in isolation and Randall wants to get in isolation, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work out that way. And that's why teams not not this year, at least to be in isolation. And I, I think that's the thing. It's just, it's about kind of spreading that talent in other directions, which is why you would hope down the line. It's okay. Well, we're going to use Randall and his salary and whatever assets it takes to get someone who's more of a backcourt player who can then command in that way and, and, and even out your roster. And then you would hope by that point where, okay, Obi maybe is more of a, of a better half court player. He's not going to be drawing doubles necessarily, but he will be further along his development curve to do something. But again, right now it's just tough when Derek Rose is out, when Kemba Walker is out, when like you're signing Archie Diacono, even though he's injured, um, which again, it's like, to me, that's probably just, Hey, we'll, we'll give you money to be here. And if we can do it long-term fine, why wait? Or it could be a, a favor, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. But the point being, it's that tips could point to the personnel and say, well, I don't really trust Deuce to run an offense because he's a rookie. And I just don't trust rookies that often. And so that's why you have Alec Burks playing in a role that he shouldn't necessarily be in. And then everything kind of just devolves from there. And it's just, it's unfortunate that Derek Rose is out because he really is hurting the Knicks yeah. by not being there more than we would like. Um, I, I, and then Obi suffers as a result and it's harder to do. And also the, the other thing, and, and, and by the way, I just took to correct myself or go back on something I just said, like there is no team in the NBA that succeeds offensively without having a guy who create advantages. Golden State Warriors, Utah Jazz, the two examples of, of beautiful basketball that we have seen over the last couple of years. One has Steph Curry and the other one has Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell is leading the league in usage because every fucking possession that the Utah Jazz run, it's Donovan Mitchell high pick and roll. Uh, you know, it's like you need advantage creators. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to suggest that like Tibbs should be this kind of magician that creates that concocts things out of nowhere, but to say that there aren't slight adjustments that could be made, you know, is also probably being uh, wrong. Uh, what What's your grade? So we can move on from this lovely topic. <laughs> I'm giving him a C this year. Oh, wow. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. 
It's about right. Um, congratulations, Tom. You're, you're passing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On that note, uh, you want to give out some game balls? Uh, sure. Let's do it. So this is, again, someone we want to highlight or give credit to for their performance or analysis this week. Um, some candidates. I like how Andrew has listed four candidates here. Um, actually, I'm only going to list three of them, or I'm going to name three of them. Um, RJ Barrett had uh, 32 points versus Indy, along with... Um, the uh, the buzzer beater versus Boston. Um, Evan Fournier, 41 points versus Boston. Um, Julius Randle with um, a very strong game in Indiana. And then a decent game against Boston in the first game. Um, yes. Thank you, Andrew. Can I say what is happening right now? No, you can't. Okay, no, you can't don't. say what's happening right now. There's a fourth name, John. You missed it. Who is it? <laughs> Andrew Claudio, as I'm reading the names, just typed in the, a fourth name, which is my answer. And it's Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly is getting my game ball because I'm not giving it to RJ Barrett because he had, a, uh, I thought, a pretty terrible two games against Boston. All due respect to his last 90 seconds in the game at MSG. Um, I'm not giving it to Julius Randle because of everything that we talked about before. And I'm not giving it to Evan Fournier because he missed one game and the game before he went off for 41, he was uh, fucking terrible. So Emmanuel quickly, uh, he had an amazing game in his first start or his, not his first start, his second start of the year, actually um, against Boston in the Boston garden or whatever the hell they call it now, TD bank. Um, and he's just, he's the Knicks safest commodity this year. And I say that, you know, in it, knowing that like it probably was Derek Rose, before Derrick Rose got injured, but now Derrick Rose has been out for, again, it's going on a third of the season. Alec Burks, um, you know, Emmanuel quickly this week passed, actually the last game passed Alec Burks in effective field goal percentage for the year, which is like, it's pretty crazy when you consider like the hot streak that Burks has been on and how cold Emmanuel quickly has been at times during the season, quickly he's passed them. Um, And he's miles ahead of Randall and RJ. So yeah, Emmanuel quickly, congratulations. Um, You get my game ball. Yeah, he is the only candidate I can really think of that is that deserving, considering just the level of play that has been around for, for the whole week. I mean, you could say Burks, but Burks was pretty miserable inside of the arc for a lot of the... He was able to make things happen in the Boston game, the first one, but it's not like things really went well. Uh, can't give it to Julius. I, I guess you could... I'll give it to RJ. I, I begrudgingly, I will give it to RJ because of the fact that he did score 32 points against the Pacers. He did have a remarkable buzzer beater. Um, 
didn't look great in either of the Boston games, but you know, it's, you're not going to have a perfect record. So I, I guess I will, I will give it to RJ. I, I was, I was giving you the layup. Um, I'll go to Andrew. Andrew, do you have a, a play a, a game ball of the week? I'm not putting Julius Randall. No, our last entry. I, I didn't want to be vain, is, but Andrew can go for it. So our last entry is playback because <laughs> what happened go. the other night is a career highlight for me. And as we exchanged over text, it's a career highlight for the three of us. And it also is up there for like one of the coolest moments in Nick's history. And as a Knicks fan, getting to experience it on playback with all of our, all of our patrons was so cool. And we just want to give a shout out to playback for, for making all that possible. They also were like, this is a company highlight for us. This is the first, this is like the reason we started this company is for moments like this. And yep. so it's, it's proof of concept for them. So anybody that wants to join us on playback for the game on Wednesday against the Mavericks, head on over to our Patreon and sign up because you wanna, oh boy. you're going to want to hear us watch along and slander KP while Luca's doing stuff, you know, that's going to be, I'll be in person. I won't be able to oh, with you. We got to find a third, John. Maybe this That's is one. Finally and also just face. quickly shout out to uh, Rich for recording that, because if you didn't, yes, none of this would have been uh, coming to light. So thank you, Rich. Um, shout out Rich McLeod, fellow Mets fan and Jets fan, Rich McLeod. <laughs> I, yeah. Shout out Rich. Um, yeah, no, that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that game. Um, a shout out to Theo Pinson. Got a, a two way contract from the uh, Mavs. So good job by you. Um, detention. Um, player, coach, media personality, we think needs to be locked in a, a room, no food, no bread, uh, no bread, water, and, uh, vitamin pills. That's all you get. Um, no windows, solitary confinement. Um, I, I, I don't know. Am I allowed to, am I allowed to put Julius Randall in detention? I mean, am I going to get, am I going to get the old thumbs down? Am I going to get the old Commodus? Hopefully. Can you put, can you put oh, Julius? Ahead, Jeremy, sorry. Well, yeah. Can you put Julius in detention if he himself has put himself in detention? Mental detention. Yeah. Can I like <laughs> I give him credit. The balls on the guy <laughs> to do what he did and then go out there and shoot six for fucking 19 with one turnover for every assist. And boy, let me tell you some of those turnovers. <laughs> oh boy. I, I rewatched them today. Um, not uh not what you want uh i'll i'll just say that he has had he has had he has had a year from hell and i i don't know what he, i i i really don't know what he's going through and like on a serious note i like i hope he's okay like he's he's just he's not in a good place right now and i hope he's okay and i'm I'm a little like, let me say one real quick thing. I'm a little bothered by, and I'm, I'm worried slash bothered by this. He, Rebecca Harlow reported in his first game back that Julius told her that he used the time to get away and clear his head. Right. Those were, I believe those are the words. It doesn't look like you cleared your head. It looks like you doubled down on whatever was going on in your head. And that did not, that has not worked. Um, so I, I hope I hope for his sake, hope for my sake, because I want to root for a, a fun team again and a fun player. Um, I hope he figures it out. But he's getting my detention for this week. Hey, that's fair. For my detention, oh, it's a this is a tough one. So 
Well, you'd mentioned Theo Pinson. I'm not going to put the people who told me that Theo Pinson can't be signed to a two-way contract this past summer into detention. I'm just going to be petty and say that I knew what I was talking about. Um, I'm I'm not going to put you in detention, John, for... No, no, I do. For RJ and the whole discourse. But I do actually, I want to ask you a question though. Sure. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire for oh, a geez. moment. <clears throat> so the most fascinating thing that stuck out in what you wrote and I, I want to be honest, you put thought into it. So I, I, well, I disagree with, with how, you know, what you said. I, I remember I what the hell you're talking I don't know what you're talking about. Well, no, I'm just saying generally for your newsletter, for your RJ newsletter. What did I write about RJ in the newsletter? Well, no, his contract situation. Oh, the contract discussion. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, well, I, 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 I've come to a similar conclusion in terms of the money. It's to me, it feels like having a, the wrong formula, but coming to the right answer or at least close to it. But okay. the most interesting thing that I picked up on was you had a, you said it was like your um, gut reaction or your whatever thought was that the Charlie Ward curse is broken by IQ and not RJ. Yeah. So I stand by that. That's fine. But then uh, by, by just deducing from that, you are inherently saying then that RJ in your mind, in your gut will be traded before 2024. I don't think RJ is going to be here long-term. No. No, 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 I understand. I respect the long-term part, but that's why I'm saying holding your feet to the fire. Yeah, I think he's, yes, I think he's, I think he's going to be traded before his next contract. Interesting. That's all I want to know. Yep. Perfect. You're not, you're not in detention for that. I just, I wanted to, to I, listen, if he, if he, if he signs an extension and he, and he plays game one on that extension, we can have, uh, Andrew, why don't you earmark this clip and, uh, we could, we could replay it back and we could all have a good, old laugh session at, at Mr. Macri here. Um, but yeah, I'm standing by that. I don't think he plays game one of the, tw- what is it? Hold on. 2022, 22, 23, 23, 24 season. Yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. he plays game one of that season here. We don't have to go back and laugh. I just wanted to get a firm understanding of where you're coming from. So thank you. That, is, that, is, at, that is where I am coming from. Fair enough. Um, again, like I can't put Fournier there because it felt like the good, the bad and the ugly. Of like that, that was his whole week in my mind. It was very yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. Um, but you know, so I, I also, I get like I, I, Mitchell Robinson's listed, I guess you could say Mitch, but it, at the same time, it's he, like it, this was a very not great week for him. I think, uh, it was tweeted out from the KFS account that he had what like three blocks on Christmas Day in his last uh, six, he has, no, like, five, I think five, five, on Christmas, five on Christmas, three since three yeah. in the last six. So he's clearly struggling um which isn't great and also when you play against um time lord and he looks that good and you're like well mitch is not looking like that and that sucks but you know what are you gonna do i i just i struggle with the idea of him doing it of him being in detention but i just I get, I'm trying to think of who else it would be. Cause I can't, I don't want to say RJ Barrett is in detention. I mean, you could do the same player as me. You could put Randall in detention. I know, want. but I want to put Tibbs in detention. Know. I wouldn't well, be great. We just that. talked about Tibbs. You know, it's, it's sort of thing. So, um, I'm going to put the people in the media that turned the Julius Randall story into a Julius Randall story into detention. I recognize you have a job and it is your responsibility to report on this instance. It is more like, a certain tabloid 
one of which one tabloid, which I thought did a great job of editorializing no, we, this whole we situation. Just, no, just call Steph it out. Steph, did, Steph Bondi did, wrote a wonderful piece. A I art. love it. It was my favorite thing I've read in Nick's land this year, if not, or, or sorry, this week, if not this year. Yes. Uh, it's another one that just felt like wedging a divide. We don't need to looking. We don't for, need to talk about that. Looking for drama when there was actually a good win. Um, and speaking of journalism, I do just want to say, because there's a piece that came out from uh, Jake Fisher this past week, which didn't say a whole lot, uh, but we, we did learn something fascinating in terms of he wrote that Tibbs was the one who wanted Fournier. Now, the thing is that that is a direct contrast in a lot of ways of the fact that the front office was allegedly the one, right, that wanted at least that was what was reported initially. Not that Tibbs wasn't in favor of getting someone. Yeah. You know, we wanted like a Bogdanovich type. Yeah. But it seemed like this was Tibbs being the driving force behind it, based on what was written in this article, at least. Um, it just was fascinating to me, uh, based on the fact that, and, and it was pointed out by, um, I, I don't have his username in the moment, but John D, basically saying that like, this feels like the Knicks distancing themselves away from Fournier. And I, I still don't think well, that the Knicks will trade Fournier this year, but I got to say, I feel more like, I feel it's more likely that they do than I did before based on kind of distancing themselves. Like it's very easy to say, Tibbs take the fall on this. It helps you because if we get him out of here, so be it. Um, it just seemed like a very easy thing to kind of put out there. I did also look and I'm sure you've probably seen this too. The biggest thing for me with Fournier, again, he's not being used like Reggie Bullock because it's not the same percentage of catch and shoot of his shot diet, but it's still up there. It's around 38%. It's really what's killing Fournier is the percentage around the rim and in the paint. Like in, in shots less than 10 feet, he is at his some of his worst his entire career. And if you raise that, then you start to see everything else elevate. You see the points, you see the field goal percentage, you see the true shooting, but it it, it doesn't. It you know what? Really actually, because he's still just not doing it. I'm gonna. Can I? I'm gonna change my answer. Sure. To Fournier. Fournier gets my detention. You know why? Because, and I said this, I think after the game, and I had forgotten since then because I'm old. Um, that game against the Celtics was a reminder that he he has this in him. He has this in him, and he just whether it's because this is a pissing match whether this is because of the Kemba benching, whether this is something with Julius, whether this is something with Tibbs, like he took their money and like, I, I think he has abdicated, abdicated his responsibility to be what this team needed. Um, I think they're going to get rid of him at the first opportunity that they can without making an irresponsible decision, which fair. By, by definition means that they, <laughs> they will not do so at the first opportunity they can, because I'm sure they get rid of him today if they wanted to, but um they're, the front office is not going to operate that way. Okay. Uh, predictions, man, how the mighty have fallen. Took my lead. I got a little bit, bit of a big head. Yeah. Uh, John, I saw a pretty funny uh, joke on the internet. Oh my uh, God. Knock, knock. <clears throat> Who's there? Owen. Owen who? Owen three. Okay. Well done. Thank you. Well done, Jeremy. Look, in my defense, you took one and two, which I would have taken. Mm -hmm. This team got down early to Indiana, who didn't have fucking anybody. And then they got down 25 to Boston. And then Boston shit the bed. And then they got down 25 again to Boston and lost by 
what, 24. So, again, it speaks to our conversation at the beginning of the show. I don't feel great about this team right now. Anyway. Well, shit in one hand, wish in the other. See when, See which fills up first. It's great. There are three games this week. They play the Spurs at home, the Mavericks at home, which is our playback game, as you said, Andrew. And then uh, the Hawks on the road. Uh, the Hawks, I saw were losing to the Clippers before. I'm not sure if they lost tonight. But talk about a team that's not in a great way. And if you want to feel better about yourself, go go uh, check out Hawks Twitter. H- how do you like, by the way, their GM going on the radio and being like, yeah, I, I, don't, I guess I fucked up by bringing all these guys back uh, this year. <laughs> I think it's objectively hilarious, but it's also, it you funny, know, like, yeah. here's the thing. Knicks fans have so often said, like, we want to hear from the people. We want it. You really want to hear Leon Rose get on the radio and air out grievances and basically yeah, like, <laughs> I'm not doing my job well. Yeah. No, let let the team speak for itself. Oh we my can God. see Travis Schlenk that it's not happening. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, my God, because the, the, the Clippers uh, behind a mere coffee. That's not that's. Not the traditional spelling of coffee, C O F F E Y, and his twenty-one points. My goodness gracious, the Hawks are in not a good place. Anyway, okay, I how digress. many assists did Trey Young have? Uh, seven. Oh fuck, that's he had nineteen. Did you prize picks for him? Yeah, eight of over nine and a half. Eight of twenty-one from the field for Trey Young. Kevin Herter four of twelve. John Collins three of nine. It's it's just not what you want right now. Um, for for Atlanta. Um, and that is who they end the, end the week with in Atlanta. Sure enough, now that I've gone on that diatribe, they'll lose that game. But uh, you go first. Who, what do you think? So it's pretty fascinating. Uh, on our Twitter account, it was posed earlier about what fans think the Knicks record will be after for, no, for these three games. Two and Can one and one and two. Sure, go ahead. I would, I guess that And keep in mind, there's 40, three and 0 and 0 and 3. 40, so there were four answer choices. Mm-hmm. I guess in the high 30s voted for 2 and 1. I would guess in like the low 30s voted for 1 and 2. And then give or take, you know, a few percentage points, about 10% each for, no, about 15% each, sorry, for 3 and 0 and 0 and 3. So as of right now, there have been 470 votes. Okay. Um, 10% for 0 and 3. Okay. 15%. For three and zero, so you you got those uh, hit hit those on the head. Two and one at thirty seven percent, one and two at thirty eight percent. Okay, so I wasn't that far off. You weren't, but it just goes to show how close yeah. fans are for one and two or two and one. Okay, so you're going to take two and one. I'm actually going to take one and two. Wow. Because, well, here's the thing. I don't know how we can talk about how negative we feel about this team. And things aren't trending in the right direction, even though we've seen wins. Yeah. And then I take two and one. I just, so you're putting me in the same position as last week. I am. And this time the Knicks will go 0 and 3 if you pick two and one. Just keep that in mind. I think they beat the Spurs at home. I'm going to say that right now. I think they beat the Spurs at home. Kemba's questionable and Fournier is questionable for that game, which means. Well, which means fucking nothing because Derek Rose was listed as questionable for <laughs> like two weeks and then he had surgery. Um, you're right. They're gonna. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick two and one. They're gonna go in three. Thank you for that. Sure. Okay. Um, so two and one. Got that, Andrew? Got it. I'm okay. just glad you didn't take zero and three again. I, don't, I mean, 
I should take this is 0 the three. Easy part. This is the easy part, though. What? Like it's more likely that they'll luck into two wins than go zero and three. I I don't know about that. <laughs> I here's the thing. I think I would be very surprised if they lost all three of these games. And if they did lose all three of these games, and their record fell to what are they right now? Nineteen twenty one. Yeah. If they 21. fell to nineteen and twenty four, that that would that would not be good. I think it's what I'm saying is it's more likely that. I, they are probably a one and two this week. As this team has played all season, they were literally like three bounces away from going one and two last week. Um, I just think like the possibility of them going zero and three is a bottoming out that I don't think, barring injury, will happen. Keep in mind, also, I will be at one of these games, and they lose whenever <laughs> I see them play. That's the game I could see so, them losing. I yes. just see them winning the other two. Is the thing. essentially Spurs. Did pretty well against Brooklyn. Again, I know Brooklyn's a shell of themselves right now, but I just ugh. I hope I hope that you are correct. Same as how you hope I, I hope correct last week. I hope that I'm correct too. Okay. Producer's corner. Traditionally, this is a time where Andrew springs something on us, but uh Jeremy and I I think we've cooked up a little something for you, Andrew, this week. We so have I should just throw this out and get rid of it, whatever I have. Oh no, no. We'll get to that. We'll get to whatever you have. First. But all right, cool. So I am all ears then. So first and foremost, I want to give a big shout out, a really big shout out to all of our fans listening um, from the land down under uh, in Australia, uh, where last week, Andrew made the egregious error of forgetting that or not knowing that the capital of Australia was not Sydney, but Canberra. I hope I pronounced that. Canberra. 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 Oh, that's right. Canberra. We talked about this. Andrew, did you want to say something? First of all, no one corrected me on the pod last week either. We so just didn't want to make you feel bad. Oh, in the okay. Moment. That's Thank all you. that Thank that was. Thank you guys mm-hmm. for waiting yeah. till now to make me feel bad. About it. <laughs> this isn't a, Listen, this. Okay. We, we're not here to talk about the past. Um, we are here, though, to talk. <laughs> okay, Mark McGuire. <laughs> to talk about the future uh, of, of this great world of ours and we want we just we want to we want to have a little fun so uh jeremy can i can i turn it over to you uh sure well listen we wanted to give you a shot of redemption right oh, no so no. okay so here's the thing andrew i i found 10 countries okay and they're accompanying capitals and you know just we'll say the countries you so say bad. the capitals it's that easy i will say We'll give you one hint. You can you can take one hint for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, you know, it's uh, we'll we'll see how you do. And and uh, you know, we, we didn't make this too difficult. I, I mean, that could have could I could have found some really obscure Ugh. countries, and I really didn't want to do that to you. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's some tricky ones mixed in there, but we'll we'll see how it goes. So John, why don't you uh, take it from the top with the first country? Okay. Um, so again, we're we're not trying to make this. Uh, too hard for you. So uh, well, let's let's start off with uh, let's start off with a simple one. So, uh, what is the capital of Brazil? Oh no, no, no! Sorry, sorry from the top, the very top, very the top, very top. Yeah, well, oh, the it's very. An, it's an, so it, you don't know. say what I think the capital of Brazil is. No, don't don't say what you think the capital of okay. Brazil is. Um, hold on, hold on one sec here. Okay, all right. The very top of our text message, right? No, 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 no. On the, the document I sent you. Oh, you sent me a document? I did send you a document. Okay. Oh, that's what you were doing before. 
That's what I was doing before. <laughs> there you go. Ah, here we go. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Okay, okay. So first one. Here we go. You ready, Andrew? Ready. All right. What's the capital of Canada? Toronto. Uh, no, it's it's Toronto. Is that your final answer? Oh my god, I dated a Canadian. I should know this. Um, no, the state capital is. Well, it's not the state capital. It's my the bad. national it's capital. The national capital. If it's not Toronto, it's Montreal. So I'll go. I'll go Toronto. Toronto well, how about answer? this? We'll, how about this? We'll give you credit for either Toronto or Montreal, um, which means you get no credit because it's Ottawa. It's Ottawa. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Good so try, I though. Know the, I it don't is. know the capital. Yes, I've clearly, through a lot of therapy, erased that portion of my memory. So thank you for that. Uh, and apologies <laughs> to our neighbors of the north, of course. Yes. No, um, you will me an apology, neighbors to the north. That's all I'm going to say about that. Go ahead, though. Okay. <laughs> Ottawa. Um, Thailand. I no, I couldn't name a city in Thailand. There was a, there was a movie, part of the Hangover franchise. Takes oh, place here is Bangkok in is Bangkok the capital of Thailand? Bangkok, Bangkok is, is the, that's it. Congratulations, you got one. So you're All one right. for two right now. Okay, with, with a hint. That you I'll <laughs> I'll give you a, a a free hint on that one. Thank you. Okay. Free card. Um, next one, capital of Lebanon. I. I uh, repeat my response to, epi- to the last question. Okay, we'll give you. We'll give a you a city in Lebanon. We'll give you a hint. This is also the capital of Lebanon. Is also the name of a drinking game involving cups and balls. Beer pong. Wait, what is the capital of Lebanon? Beer pong. <laughs> there was a movie made about this city. I believe I, it starred George Clooney. Is that right, John? Oh my goodness, Syriana. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Then never mind. It was not this one. <laughs> I, the, I, 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 okay, all right. I'll put I'll the two. The X, yeah. I'll, I'll take there. It's a two syllable word. First word is the worst. The last name of the worst signing in Mets history. Uh, there's a long list there. Worst, I know there so is. Something Bay. Okay. There you go. Yes. And no, then it's, it's the it's second bay word. Something. Bombay. No, 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 no. Bay, bay is the first Gordon one. The bom- second okay. one. Second one is what is at the bottom of a tree? Root. Okay. Root Bay. Beirut. Oh, there, there you go. The John Hamm movie. Okay. That's you think about the John, John Hamm. Hamm. Okay. Yeah. There we go. There you go. That's why you're the movie guy, not me. Oh, uh, you, you're up, Jerry. Why I'm not the Capitals guy. <laughs> <I'll tell you laughs> that uh, what is the capital of Singapore? No clue. Take a Turkey. wild guess. Turkey's a country. Never mind. Turkey is a country. A country. The capital uh, of Singapore is. Sing a better? I, don't, I have no idea. Guys. You're close there. I'm surprised you didn't say singer rich, but singer, yeah, <laughs> it's not singer rich. All right, what is it? It is Singapore. Is it? Wait, is Singapore the, the capital? Singapore, Singapore, Singapore. Is, is Singapore. So it's like in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Well, no, it'd be like if Oklahoma were the capital okay. of Oklahoma. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Um, okay, this is this is a really easy one. Um, what is the capital of Scotland? I. This is an easy one. Um, it should you know, be, guys. I, you you found my weak spot. I have no idea. What is uh, it? Okay, okay I, I, it's, I don't even know what the hint would be for this. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a there's a hit. Uh, it's Edinburgh. 
I gotta be honest, never heard of that place. Okay, well now, really? now, now, yeah. there we go. Edinburgh, Edinburgh. It's uh, Edinburgh. It's so like it's just like uh, Australia. Fun fact: my family, although I am not Scottish, my Russian family did live in Edinburgh for. Quite you a say while. it very well. I got to tell you that. I, or I don't. I'm sure someone from Scotland will listen. No, I, I, I think it's good. I apologize um, to your Scottish family for not knowing <laughs> the capital of Scotland. You know, this next one is just too hard. I feel like. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call an audible instead and say different okay. country. Cause you guys um, saw how bad I am with these capitals. <laughs> I did. I, go ahead. Um, what is the capital of, well, it's Czechia now, but Czech Republic. I, this used to be Yugoslavia, right? It used to be Czechoslovakia. It used to be Czechoslovakia. They had split into the Czech Republic. Yes. And See, you know stuff. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I know this. I didn't know where a single city in Czech Republic. Though. You do because do? you have seen the first Mission Impossible movie. Oh, but oh, that's such a long time ago, Jeremy. Um, well, the city still exists. Right. But I don't I haven't been there. Um, okay. It's a great city. It's beautiful. I will take another L here. I have no idea. It's Prague. Oh, really? That's mm-hmm. in Czech Republic? Yes, it is. Oh, I thought I was I, going Jeff, to say just for record. I thought that was in like Spain or something. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, I was going to say Djibouti because Djibouti is also the capital of Djibouti, but mm-hmm. decided to wipe that one clean. Can we get back to Brazil? I think I know that one. Uh, We're almost there. We're almost okay. back to it. John, if you um, want to take that, if you want to flip the next. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's do that. So the capital of Brazil, what is it? Is it Rio? That's a great guess. That's a it really is. good guess. It is, is it wrong. Guess. It, it is incorrect. The capital of Brazil is. Wait, wait, wait. Do we, do we, okay. Well, I was going to say if we want. I was to never going to get it right, Jeremy. It's okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the capital of Chile. I. Uh, cookout. Uh, I I got nothing. Give you give you a hint. Mets uh, left-handed pitcher that they signed um, in two thousand nineteen, I believe. Uh huh. Last name. 19 lefties. Yeah. Okay. Who the Mets signed in 2019? The. Did they sign him to a minor league deal? Oh, then. I'm this, he, the Mets are the last team he played for. I think he's more well known for when he was with the White Sox and the Angels, maybe the Twins. Why am I blanking on. Oh, 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 what's that dude's name? Oh, my God. This now became personal. Okay. <laughs> he was like so bad for them too. And then um, I'm like, I'm legit. This is going to ruin my week. All right. What's the answer? It's a, it, it, Jeremy? Santiago. Yes. Hector Santiago. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So wow. I, th- I believe we are two away. We're, how many does Andrew have right now? One? I got one with a hint and it was one with, that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Root. Um, okay, next oh, up. Bangkok. Bangkok and Beirut. I kind of so you got yeah. two. Um so you're you're you may still surpass uh Julius Randall's shooting percentage from his last game. Mm-hmm. Uh the capital of Denmark. Copenhagen. They, they didn't even need the hint. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. That's Boom. really good. We're yes. good work by you. Thank yes. you. Now this this to get over that shooting percentage, I think. Pulled that one out <laughs> of my ass. Jeez. Uh Spain. I. Uh, Oh, I I should know this. Uh, the capital of Spain is. Oh wow! Do I really not know Madrid? There you go. Boom! Okay. I had I had to go through. Well I, done. I knew I knew it. Okay. Well done. There you Good go. sport. Did well. 
Yeah. I, 40, I, I think 40% is pretty good there. So uh, yes. you gave me 10 and I got four, right? Yeah. Okay. No, no, London. London's the capital of England, right? Yeah. Why would we give you <laughs> the easy one like that? Because you guys made it seem like all these are going to be stuff you should know. And these are stuff I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, okay, now it's your turn. If you want to, I don't know what you have in store for us. What's your well, producer's corner? I mean, it is topical with the buzzer beater that happened this week. I did a little research on buzzer beaters and didn't realize I should have been doing some research on nation capitals. <laughs> but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Apparently, first of all, do you guys know how many buzzer beaters there have been in NBA history? NBA history? Yeah, just so ballpark, and I'll like get, throw out a number, and I'll tell you higher or lower. A hundred more. Three hundred fifty more, more. Seven hundred. A thousand more, more. Less than less than a thousand. Oh, wow. But more than seventy two lower. Seven eighty nine. Closest seven ninety eight. Wow. Yes. RJ Barrett's was the seven hundred and ninety eighth buzzer beater. So it's like NBA a, history. 11 per season. That's not a lot. Yes. So or 11 or 12. per season. I mean, Jeremy, uh, well, you, you're a baseball fan too. Kind of John, the buzzer beaters, like a no hitter, no hitter. Like yeah. You get mm-hmm. like four or five a year. They're unique. And you remember almost all of them. Cause when they happen, it's like, Oh, I need to see like how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as the Knicks go, RJ Barrett hit the 42nd in Knicks history Wow. The 10th of the 21st century. So I thought I 10th Knicks buzzer beater of the 21st century. Yes. So I thought I'd whip out another game of I know the Knicks. Oh, my goodness. You guys can name all the Knicks who have hit buzzer beaters in the 21st century. Now, I will say it's happened 10 times, but by nine players. One guy did it twice, and I'm pretty sure that gives it away. But John, age before beauty, you get to go first. And this Uh, is what you get, by the way, John. Yes. uh, I'll go David Lee. David Lee is one. Buzzer beater against Charlotte with 0.1 second left. And J.R. Smith, Jeremy, yep. that got it. He only counts for one, but he's the one that hit two buzzer beaters back to back in two games in December of 2012-13. Uh, yeah, there was no time on the clock against Toronto on Valentine's Day. Jeremy Lynn. Uh, no, there was time on the clock. There was time on the clock? Yes. yes. Shit. So that's one strike for John. Jeremy. How many strikes do I get? Three? Three. Three strikes and you're out. So there's a player I have in mind. Mm -hmm. Do you have the dates in front of you as well? Yes, I do. During 2006, there's a player I have in mind, but I feel like that guy, there was still time left on the clock. Okay. So here's the thing. I'll I'll give you guys a collective hint. John said one of the ones from that season, but during the 06, 07 season, the Knicks had three. Three. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Uh, Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford hit the first one of this century. That's the good guess. Buzzer beater in Houston with the Knicks down two. Uh, do you just Jeremy go again or do I go? No, now you go. You go. Back I'll, go with, Jeremy I'll go with Jeremy. I'll go with one. Carmelo Anthony. Jared Carmelo Anthony never did it as a Nick. A buzzer beater. He had a lot of big shots in the final five seconds, but none that ever as, okay. as time expired. Okay. Strike two for me. Jeremy? Yeah, strike two for you. I will say the one thing I was impressed by is I remember all of these, which again, I was watching this rather than studying up on my country capitals. Apparently. That's fair. This isn't a geography pod. 
No. It should be. <laughs> it's probably why I ended up <clears throat> here and not on Jeopardy. Um, Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson, correct. He did Jesus. it during the Larry Brown season. Allen Iverson hit a three to tie it. And then Nate Robinson came down the court on a pass from Stefan Marbury and hit a buzzer beater for a Nick win in overtime over the Sixers. Um, they didn't have one last season, I don't think. They did not. Again, they're, you guys have listed... Well, technically, Jaren. I, I don't... See, I, this is my memory's shit when it comes to this stuff. Um, well, so, well, hold okay. on a second. Your memory s- wasn't shit when you were dunking on me for all the you know the Knicks. Uh, I was gonna this say, past no, I remember like <laughs> stats. I don't remember moments as much. Um, so I should say RJ Barrett's on this list. Obviously, I'm crossing him out because it just yeah. happened. So that makes it actually eight players have done it nine times, which you guys have mentioned David Lee, J.R. Smith, Nate Robinson, and Jamal Crawford. There are four left. Amari Stoudemire. Would have been a buzzer beater had he gotten it off with one tenth of a second earlier. I figured maybe there was one. Fortunately, it didn't. So John is out. Jeremy, can you name the other three? Well, you already won, Jeremy. But yeah, you did. But can you name? Oh, can you name the other four? Can you name the other four? I can tell you. I can tell you someone who's not on the list, but who should be on the list if his fingertips were this much Uh off the ball. And Chris Porzingis. Porzingis against the Hornets, but was not meant to be. Um, I'm going to say Stefan Marbury. Stefan Marbury, a layup at the buzzer. Darren Williams hit a jumper to give the Jazz a one-point lead. Uh, David Lee outlet to Stefan Marbury. He ran the entire court and able to lay it in at the buzzer for the win. As one of Isaiah Thomas's early games as head coach during that season. Okay. And that was only the beginning. Everything went yes. better from there. That is now um, two. That happened also like three weeks before the David Lee game, which is now the second of the three buzzer beaters during that season. Interesting. So, okay. So we've said David Lee, Stefan Marbury, Jamal Crawford, um, J.R. Smith, J. Nate Smith. Robinson, and RJ Barrett. There's three left. Three left. And I'll say, I'll give, I'll give some hints. One guy was drafted by the Knicks. The other two were mid-season trades. Oh, I know one. Well, you had your chance. Um, <laughs> Drafted by the Knicks, the others were not. Again, this is Knicks players in the 21st century that have yes. hit a buzzer beater. It's hard because all the Knicks players who have been drafted seem to be traded or mm-hmm. fail. The one that hit, you're gonna be. If you weren't there, then I'm not shocked that you don't remember it. But I, it was a, it was actually a nationally televised game, and he hit it. And it was tough. Was the one the who was drafted by the Knicks? Yes, and it was a putback. That's the other part. It wasn't a jump shot. It was a putback for the win. All right. Uh, Ronaldo Balkman. Incorrect. Strike one. Okay. Drafted by the Knicks. Long litany of guys who are... Okay. Um, I think we're at the point where I'll give you the year. It was 2005 that he did this. In April right. of 2005. So this, this isn't the player because he wasn't technically... Dra- well, I got Eddie Curry. Incorrect. That's strike two. And then I guess I've, I've already won. So uh, Michael Sweeney. Michael Sweeney is the answer. Hit a yes. buzzer beater against the Pacers. Uh, he put back on a rebound to give the Knicks a one point win over the Pacers. Can I guess in the mid- market square arena? What I'll, uh, I'll let John back in real quick. Don't remember that at all. Did uh, Steve Francis hit one against the Wizards? Yeah, Steve Francis mm. hit a buzzer beater. That's the third of that season. And then there's mm. one more. That That's happened. where he got up on the scores table because they were like, he got them into a tie for eighth or something. I remember that game. I remember because mm. it actually had meaning. 
Um, I don't remember all these other ones because they fucking came in losing seasons. Um, <laughs> one more of a, from a player they acquired at midseason. Yes, it happened during the 0405 season. And it was a weird buzzer beater where it was like the Kawhi one against the Sixers, where it went off the front rim and hit like the top of the backboard and then hit the back iron and then fell through. And he was like not even proud that it went in and that they won. It was 0405? 0405. Quentin Richardson? Nope. I'm glad you said it because I was wondering if it might be yeah. too rich. Happened in February of 2005. I, I, I don't Charlotte Hornets. No idea. Okay. It was Tim Thomas. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe that guy from my memory. Yeah. Fugazi. Fugazi, Fugazi. Those are the nine Knicks that have done it. And then a fun one. I thought you guys might actually be better at these. But there's only 10 players in the five-time buzzer beater club. And they're all the guys you know because they played while we were all alive. Ten guys, sorry, five guys in ten the- players during the at, in the five timers club. So they've made at least five buzzer beaters in their career, regular season and playoffs. Well, Kobe Bryant. That's one. Jordan. That those are the top two. Kobe hit eight. MJ hit nine. Reggie. Reggie's not on the list. LeBron. LeBron has seven. Durant. Durant's not on the list. He has four. Wow. Uh, Curry? Not on the list. Larry Bird? Not on the list. Also not mm. in my lifetime. Wow. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm old. Um, Tracy McGrady? Not on the list. Interesting. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to think like big shot guys. Yeah. I'm going to go through and double check. So Barkley had three. Steph Curry. Is this real? Has never hit a buzzer beater. Wow. That's nuts. So there you go. Um, I'm tr- Clay, man. I have no Clay idea. Thompson who, hitting, this guy Clay Thompson taking the last shot. John. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I just. I don't remember things like this. Who are the players? Tell them. Tell us. Okay. So Joe Johnson has eight. Uh, oh wow. Paul Pierce has seven, or had Sorry. seven. Here's the wild, most wild one. Andre Iguodala. <laughs> shout out Max Kellerman had five. <laughs> Uh, Dwayne Wade had five. Gilbert Arenas had five. Vince uh, Carter had five. And last but not least, uh, Kevin Garnett had five. Uh, okay. That's the, the buzzer beater club. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's a good stat. It's nice. I like that. This is yeah. the research I did rather than, you know, what was the capital of Denmark? Although that's the one I knew, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> I wouldn't have known Denmark. Yeah. Um, okay. I think I remember a, the name, the city named Copenhagen, and that's like one you don't forget. You know, it's a fun. Yeah, but I wouldn't have remembered it's capital of Denmark. Um, okay, a bunch of idiots we are. Uh, Andrew, anything else before we go? Um, should I say for okay? So I got this news during the pod. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just saw it. You saw it too. Okay, so Bob Saget passed away. So. Um, I did not see that. I'm still kind of processing it, whether it's like worth a eulogy or not, as far as like what he meant to like, I watched America's Funniest Home Videos. I watched Full and Fuller House, liked one of them. Um, And he was also like a really funny comedian that I enjoyed and best wishes to his family and those that were his fans. I, you know, I joined you in mourning this loss, you know? Certainly, very unique figure in pop culture over the last uh, thirty-five years. Yeah. So, voice of yeah. uh, 
of Ted and how I met your mother. How I met your mother. Good call, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will. Um, I, it's funny because I grew up on Full House. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also watched a lot of America's Funny Home videos. And I will there for I, I don't know why, but the two things that will stand out for me for for him were you remember the comedy special about the joke, the aristocrats? No, I don't. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeremy does. That, that joke okay, is... I should probably. <laughs> I don't know the special. No, no, you get up after. You shouldn't. His appearance on that special mm-hmm. stands out for me, and also he did a stand-up special that was a big deal. It was, I mean, gosh, was it ten years ago? Was it fifteen years ago? Was I don't even. It was a while ago, but it was like it felt like for me at least the first time I realized that he was this like he had this like just filthy alter ego like aside from his you know danny tanner uh side and it was just one of the funniest things i've ever seen so yeah uh, rest in peace bob Saget. his uh comedy central roast is that's an another timer yeah, yeah that's a good you one. had uncle jesse as the yeah. roast master and uh, that's where you got to see a lot of the the raunchy humor that came out there his episodes of curb also stand out to me um as as highlights yeah he's uh yeah there's as far as like things I'm going to go to now to remember Bob Saget, it's obviously going to be the full house stuff and, and probably some episodes of how I met your mother to refresh my memory with that. But yeah, like you said, a, a unique path that he carved in the industry and, you know, one that one that I won't forget for sure. When did full house come out? The nineties. So like nine, I want to say like 89 to, cause it ran along the same time as fresh Prince. I think that, 19, that so it came out in 1987, 87. So like 87 to, was it a full 10 years? Uh, eight seasons, eight seasons. So, so it was a 2022. So that means he, he outlived his wife in that show by a full 35 years. There you go. Nice job. Bob's um, Bob Saget, uh, Jeremy, anything else before we go? Uh, no, that'll be all for me other than uh, I'll just, you know, Gloat privately about my wins today <laughs> in this past week. There you go. I I'll add a positive if we want to wrap this up on a positive. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor Hiram, Pastor Claudio was behind the pulpit today. He's out of corn. Hey, hey. There you Perfect. go. Thank you from on behalf of the Claudio family for all your thoughts and well wishes and prayers. He he appreciates them, and I obviously appreciate them as well. Um, most importantly, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Man, Jody Sweeten. <laughs> you were a you were a Stephanie guy. Oh yes. Oh, see, was I ever growing up a religious kid in Long Island? DJ Tanner is like Kirk Cameron's sister. They were like a power couple in our circle. So, really? Yeah. No, I was I was Stephanie Tanner. No, nah, I was I was very big DJ Tanner. But like, I'm not gonna say like you're wrong. You're stupid. You know, Stephanie Tanner, and then and then. Uh, Topanga. Those oh, the, that's a whole different category. Yes. Different category. Uh, Topanga is on a different level than all of these. I'm sorry. I mean, I, listen, I love me some Topanga, but I thought I, th- I think you're speaking down to Jody Sweeten here. Isn't I mean, Topanga this- married to the guy who did the shrimp cinnamon toast crunch cereal thing? Is he? I think I have so. no idea. Do you remember that? I don't. Now, now we're just talking about various. That word, yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole Twitter thing where the guy found shrimp in his cinnamon toast crunch last year, and it was this whole saga 
And I don't people, remember that. And then he got uh, milkshake duct. Do you know what milkshake duct is, John? No. So there's this tweet uh, where it's like, everyone loves milkshake duck. Milkshake duck is great. He's a duck that drinks milkshake. And then it's like, you, they find out later, we regret to inform you that uh, milkshake duck is a racist. Like, like oh, there's, no. a, there's a side to milkshake duck that is clearly not good. That's what happened, I believe, to him. And I'm pretty sure he is married to the actors who played Topanga. Oh, actually, um, I looked up. I looked up Jody Sweet, and instead, it's like, wait, Stephanie did what? Hold on, Topanga. That's Danielle something Fisher, right? is it or something? Yeah, yeah. Where? Who is it? Where? Danielle who? Danielle, Danielle Fischel. 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 That's what. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, she's married to Jensen Carp, who was the guy who I believe found ah. the shrimp. Is there any the relation Carp? between the carp and the shrimp? There is not, but I, that was. <laughs> That was certainly uh, broached. You're telling me that's a coincidence? No, you gotta be kidding yeah, me. This dude's last name was Carp, and, and there's the come on shrimp. now. Yeah, I'm gonna guess Daniel oh, Fischel is 42 years old. You would be. You'd be wrong. She's wrong. No, it's born 1981. She's 40. Yeah, it's 20, oh, she's 40 on the dot. Yeah, I added wrong. She's born five. She's born uh, two years and five days before me. Yes. Is this even a Knicks pod anymore? Nope. It's a cool. The days of our lives pod. <laughs> Jensen Carp. Jensen Carp. Yeah. With a K. Mm-hmm. Like the Pokemon. Stage name Hot ah, Carl. Magic Carp. Good. Mm-hmm. Throw good reference there. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> this is a good way to honor Bob Saget by ending on this fucking shit show of a whirlwind of topics uh everybody out there thanks so much for checking out another episode of uh full house and boy meets world and uh, make sure <laughs> and what and geography yes <laughs> and where in the world is andrew claudio um <laughs> <laughs> be sure to leave a great rating and review uh on <laughs> on wherever you get your podcast because clearly you love listening to this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with you with more fun and games this week. Peace out. Like Denzel in flight. <laughs> <laughs>